Are you the kind of gal who's not interested in how things used to be in the hair industry? Who wants to hear from ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and join me as I interview and learn and get curious about other hairstylists I believe are living life on their own terms, defining what success means for them and living lives in alignment with that. Let's dive in. Hey guys, I'm super excited to share with you that I have brought back my signature course, Sheenette's Worth, a hairstylist guide to going independent. So if you've been independent for a while and you don't have systems, this course is for you. If you're thinking about going independent and you're not sure if it's what's the right move for you, this course is for you. I know for myself, I wish I had this course. Basically, the first four years I was independent, I struggled because I didn't have the infrastructure or the understanding of the business side of my business. So if this sounds like something you could use some help with, please head over to my website, wavemaking.com, and check out my course. All right, guys. So today, I'm kicking it old school and doing an interview. Um, This is one I've wanted to do for a long time because... Yolanda Trejo and I, we went to hair school together and we were on student council, but we weren't like friend friends and we met and reconnected again here in Chicago. And I was like, oh my God, you moved to Chicago. I moved to Chicago. And it's just pretty cool that our paths have crossed. But, um, you know, I'm excited because I don't actually know a lot about Yolanda's story uh, other than that she's a salon owner of yo Yu Hair Studio. And um, yeah, she's about to be a mom. So it's just a pretty cool time to have her on and even, you know, just like take this snapshot in time because it's like such a special time. You're 37 weeks pregnant and yes. uh, what a whirlwind. Well, welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy we're finally doing this. <laughs> no, totally. And I'm so curious, just like hear about your story. I know like I mean, I kind of feel like I, I know the beginning part of it of like, okay, so we, you, you know, we weren't like friends, but I, you know, I knew you were finishing school a little bit before me and moving to Chicago. And I even remember like, it was called like Salon Blue you were working at. Yeah. Um, and that's all I know. I would ride, ride the train and I'd see like the, the, they do ads for that salon and I would think about yeah. you periodically, but that's really it. And so reconnecting with you, I would love to hear about like, I mean, between your first lawn and like you opening this really cool studio. So just fire mm-hmm. away. Yeah. So um, let's see. When did I get, I, we, I, we graduated and you were the class below me. Yeah. Right. Were you like six weeks behind me or eight weeks or something like that? Right. You felt like a senior and I felt like a freshman yeah. <laughs> realizing now, like not really that much time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Aveda. So I moved here in 2006 and um got a job at Salon Blue after I, I think I Googled like the top salons in Chicago and just was like, I'm going to interview at all of those places. Mm-hmm. And then happened to pass Salon Blue on a way to a different interview over here at Wicker Park. And uh, I was like, oh, this place looks cute. Dropped off an interview. They called me while I was at this other place. I went back the next day, had an interview. It was awesome. And then that became my home for almost 10 years. And then during that, um, which was a great experience. Uh, I, it's interesting looking back cause I feel like a lot of people get stuck and not get stuck. A lot of people, um, get into this industry and hop around a lot. Like they go to one place. They're like, I don't like that. They go to another place. They're like, I don't like, you know, and I feel like I actually really lucked out by landing, um, at a place that had a great educational program, carried a great line that had education. Uh, we carried Bumble and Bumble, coming out of Aveda, I really wanted an Aveda salon. So, but I just didn't feel it. Like I kept interviewing at places and it was like, man, it's just not here. So, um, I, I really, yeah, like I said, I feel like I lucked out there. So I was there for a while during that time. Um, Bumble and Bumble's based out of New York and they have like a school there. Like they call it Bumble and Bumble university. So I would go there for a lot of classes and, um, just, you know, furthering my education ended up having the opportunity to do fashion week with them a couple seasons. Sorry. I'm like, feel like I'm like out of breath. Cause I'm so pregnant. So all of you listening, no, honestly, sorry for panting like when you're pregnant, you're <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I need a minute. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I got to do fashion week for a few seasons, which was an amazing opportunity. And then I also ended up going back to barber school. And around the time that I went back to barber school here in Chicago, um, I, the location in Bucktown here that I worked at closed down and I, they have the original or the flagship location for Salon Blue is in Lakeview, which is about three miles away, which sounds like nothing, but in the city is like, your life is changing. Like, what do you mean? I have to go to a different neighborhood for work. So, uh, made the leap over there. And then, you know, I was at this point in my career where I was like, man, do I want to stay in Chicago? Do I want to move to New York? New York really kind of became like a second home to me. It was just, I just was super inspired every time I would go there and the energy and I'd been in in Chicago for almost 10 years. And I was just like, man, I don't know what to do. I really want to do editorial. I really want to do fashion. Chicago has a scene, but it's obviously much smaller. So kind of weighed my options. And I was like, all right, well, here's the thing. Like I have an amazing group of people here that I know that are so artistic and so creative. And I'm plugged into this huge scene here that is just so cool and kind of up and coming. And I just had this instinctive, like intuition, like, man, if I leave Chicago, I'm going to go join what's already happening as a part of being kind of like, instead of being part of something that is, is happening. Um, so I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to stay here, I'm, I'm, I, there's nowhere else I want to work. It's, uh, there's great salons in Chicago, but I was like, there's just, I'm not, I'm at a point now where like, I wouldn't, why would I leave salon blue, you know, and go work somewhere else. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to find a little place, like a little studio. I want somewhere really creative. I want to be able to do my own thing, do hair, whatever. So I opened up Yo-Yo and that was in. October of 2015. Um, and I, I, my like last day at Salon Blue was like October 24th, I think. And I opened on Halloween. So it was like, it was a lot. It was intense. Yeah. And your studio to me, like I've driven by it. Like it's not little. I mean, <laughs> I, what, I guess when I say little, I mean like it's my, I opened it with myself. Yeah. I had um, like an assistant I kind of had like an assistant slash front desk person at moments. And I have like, just, I had a guy that I went to barber school with. He started with me. He ended up not staying long and I've had a couple people in there, but even right now it's like myself, my apprentice who is on the, like kind of almost fully on the floor. She'll, she'll be fully on the floor when I, when I go on leave. And then, um, and uh, I have a woman that runs chair and then I just hired an esthetician who's also going to help with the front desk while I'm gone. And then I'll hire someone when I come back, but it's small in that sense, I guess. Like, it's not like I, when I opened it up, I, and it's why Yo-Yo is not called like salon because it's like, I, I wanted a space that was a studio that was just this space. The first three years that I opened, I, we had art shows every month. Um, We used to do yoga every Monday. We had dance classes at different points. It was really a space where I was like, Hey, I have these friends that do these things. Let me bring that into like the life of my clients. Like, as you know, like your clients, there's a part of them that makes sense to who you are as a, as a person, but often like, it's not like they're just you, you know, they're not like, you know, like they're my family at this point. A lot of my clients I've been doing for five, 10, 15 years, but it's not like we go out together. We have the same interests, you know? And, and so I think like, it was a really cool way for me to connect them with this other world that I'm connected to and, and kind of bring both of those worlds together. Like the art shows were so cool because here I was like meeting all these people I didn't know in the art world through friends that I did have that were artists having these monthly art shows. And then my clients got exposed to this art that they would have never been exposed to. That's so cool. And even when you were talking, I'm thinking like so many hairstyles, I think try and get all of their needs met from their clientele like all the fulfillment. And it's like, you're spot on in my opinion of like, they're awesome. And they like, like they do feel like they are like family, but they're not meant to meet all of your needs. They're not meant to be like, Oh, they're not meant to be your only inspiration or the only thing that brings you fulfillment. So I love that in your space, because it's taken me a long time to learn that. It's so cool to me that in 2015, you already were like, okay, like I love my clientele. 
And like, I want to take good care of them, but I have this whole other side of my life and my spirit and my relationships that I also want to like cultivate and like have be a big part of my life. And it's like, even the crossover is so cool. Yeah. Well, I think there's this kind of funny, don't you, you might feel this way too, but there's this, I was telling a client the other day, even after all these years, what really blows my mind still to this day is when a client sits in your chair and says like, I trust you. And they don't even know you. (laughs) Like it blows like, you know, if you get a new client or a client wants to have a big change, they're just like, Oh, do whatever. I trust them. Trust you. And it's like, it's, you spend like months in a new relationship with a boyfriend or a partner or, you know, I don't know, whatever, like learning trust for, for something like that. And you're, there's just this magical kind of thing with a hairdresser and a client that happens. And it's, I never take that for granted. And I was saying that I was like, I, to this day, I never, I never, uh, that still wows me. And I think within that also are, we are a lot of people's like portal into like, what's, what's I'm using quotes. You guys can't see me, but like what's cool or what's trendy or whatever. And I, I often think like, I've always been the hairdresser that yes, I am like super interested in the history of hair or whatever, but I'm not super big into like who's famous or, I mean, there's definitely some icons or like hair heroes that I definitely have and that I admire, but it's more about their lifestyle or, or their, um, they're like, yeah, their lifestyle or their way of life or, or their demeanor or this, that's what always attracted me to Aveda because I just thought, man, horse was this like, not just a hairdresser. He was like this being that did all these other things. Same with like Badal Sassoon. So I think, you know, when, as a hairdresser, I think people assume like, oh, you just flip through magazines or you always know what's trendy or who has the best haircut or who has the best hair. And I'm like, no, I like look at art museums. I look at trees. I look at people walking down the street. I, you know, it's, it's rarely that I'm finding my inspiration outside of doing hair at, in hair. Like I think, and I think it's similar to keep that in mind when you're thinking about your clients is like, what can you do within the shop to inspire them to feel like more encouraged or comfortable to step out of their comfort zone or do something a little bit different because, you know, even if I was to say, Oh, this is trendy. This is what's hot. Like, Hey, everyone cut a mullet. No one wants to, you can't put a mullet on a 45 year old mom of three. That's a lawyer. You know what I mean? It's it's irrelevant. That question's irrelevant a lot of times. So like, I think sometimes it's like, well, what if, what if I can help them like tell them about an art show that's somewhere or tell them about a restaurant that's somewhere or an article I read or a different perspective about a way of thinking. I think that's something that came up a lot the last like 18 months with the pandemic. Like, Hey, have you thought about this? (laughs) You know? Yeah, no, I think that's so true. Like my favorite thing of like spending time with my clients is that like them, like, like hearing my perspective on things and then on theirs. And it's like, you know, I I'm with you. Like when someone new comes in and sits down and is like, I follow you, I've seen all your stuff. Like, I trust you. I'm like, Oh, that, that almost like makes me still very nervous. Yeah. Not in a bad way. Like I literally have a new client and I'm like, she said, she trusted me. I don't take it lightly. I want her to come back because I want to tweak something in her hair or like something, something didn't feel right about it. And I feel like no matter how long you're doing it, like, it's like, giving a shit and like being like, like a, like a real person and genuine, like yes. it, you know, you might, you might spend a little more time on stuff, but it's like, I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I, I feel like that's what I like about your style and your brand and everything. It's like, I feel like it is very much like you've very much curated kind of like a whole like culture in your space. And I mean, that's just, I'm just seeing that from like on your website and like in your social media and like even just like your style. And I know for a while, like you have like sweatshirts there that are like tie dye. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like very like mainstream. So I got into tie dye during COVID, but correct me if I'm wrong. You've been doing tie dye for a while. Not super long. So I have a client Mocha who, who we did a little collaboration with, but I think that's where that comes from is like, you know, trying to, trying to just do some fun stuff. I mean, let me just tell you, I think, people you you're like I'm gonna print this I'm gonna I'm gonna make this merch and it's gonna be awesome you're like okay or I'm just gonna give it away because I didn't make anybody off of it you know what I mean it's like but taking those like leaps or just doing those little things I think so many people get into business and yes obviously money is a part of it because otherwise like how are you gonna stay open to do all these things that you have in mind but 
there's an experience I think that is, is something that, um, it's not that books don't talk about it or people don't talk about it, but I think artists tend to talk about it more. Like I was just watching that show last night, um, on HBO, the shop. It's like the interviews with like LeBron James or all these I other wanted crazy- to watch that. Cause they're in a barber shop. They're in a barber shop. Yeah. And it's, I think it's like the third or fourth season, but, uh, I, it, it, it reminded me of the idea of like what the, what a barbershop or a salon, right. Which originally was the space in the community where people came together and talked about all these things, like just what, what that ability is, because there is this, there is this like kind of like a trust, like trust or ability as a hairdresser or barber or whatever the the role that we're in with our industry to be able to bring a lot of different people together in one space and create this community and this space for communication that doesn't necessarily happen in other places. Like you're not going to go to the dentist and be like, Hey, you know, let's all chat. Like it's, it's just not a lot of space. Right. Because there is this like communal, like open, it's like going to dinner or something, you know? Um, And I think, I forgot where I was going with that, but, oh, I just, I think, yeah, with the tie dye thing or making merch or just these leaps and it's like, sometimes you just have to do something just to do it and not, and I think I'm sure you realize that with the, with, you know, like, oh, I'm going to paint my wall this and you're like, oh, that was a horrible idea. $400 later, you know, or like, it's honestly the only way I learn. Like, yes, I I only learn from experience. That's where it's like hucking baby books left and right. But it's like, I didn't really get anything that they meant by any of that until I had a baby. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, that's what they mean. Like, that's how I, well, learned. I mean, come on. So this day, there's nothing, but the, the thing that stu- stood the test of time is communicating with other people. Like, Hey, the best recommendations come from word of mouth to this day, to this, I had a new, I had a client reach out today. I'm not really taking new people right now because I'm having a baby and COVID and all these things, but I had someone reach out and I, I was like, man, I got to say yes to this person. Cause like it was someone that, you know, it was this other recommendation from somebody. And it was just one of those things where I was like, here's this person call it. Like it's still word of mouth is just to this day because people still trust that people want to know that you have a passion for somebody that they can trust. And I think that's actually something that when there's times like this, like I feel like I saw that when the recession happened in like 2007, 2008, right? Like it's not about money. People just want to know that whatever they're going to spend their money on, whether it's a quarter or $500 or a thousand dollars, that it's going to make them feel like it was worth it. And I think that's where that comes from. And as a business, I think it's, you have to remember that like you, you know, someone walks in your door, you have no idea if, if they have money to throw around or if they saved up for seven months, but you just have to, so one of the best things I learned from my old bosses is like never judge someone's wallet or, or what they have, like be very mindful. It's okay to be like, Hey, I don't know what your budget is today or how are you feeling about this? But never, never assume someone doesn't want to walk in your shop and spend money. And it's, it's not, it's not about selling them anything, but it's about making sure that you're giving them an exceptional experience that they deserve and that no matter what, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like, like, I guess I personally think with like social media and stuff, I've I've noticed lately, I feel like a lot of people are talking big games, but thinking more about the money, thinking more about the status and thinking less about the actual experience. And like, like that, like, like, I feel like it doesn't get talked about a lot, but like, like when someone walks into my space, it's like, I'm fucking on. It's like, they are, they are the bell of the ball. It makes me like choked up because that's how much I care. And Instagram is trash. Instagram is trash. Yeah. And I've seen lately, like, even like I've been in other salons, I've seen experiences where I'm like, your client comes in and you're on your phone and you're ignoring them. It's unacceptable. Well, here's the thing. I mean, yes, Instagram is great. It's this visual, easy portfolio to be like, here, let's reference this, let's reference this. Oh, cool. Oh, oh, you want to, oh, hey, you know, Hey, Lindsay, I need to know where to go, you know, to get my nails done. Oh, I have this great place here. I'll send it on Instagram. It's just easy. Yeah. Right. But I'm not going to not go. If I go to their, if you say, I don't, they don't have an Instagram, like at the end of the day, like, and so I think like, 
and hey, props to anyone who has time to do. I am, I am like social media. Like I don't even like my computers from like nineteen years ago. Like I, well, you just, were able to get on this Zoom, and I, some, yeah. and not every person has the equipment. They're like, yeah. how do I do this? Can I do it yeah. on my phone? I'm like, no. Yeah, but no. I mean, I think like, but as far as just using that tool, like I just think there's this falsehood of like man, like people come in and they'll show me a picture and I'm like, okay, well that's filtered. That's the first thing I want you to know. That is a filter. That's why it looks like that. That lighting's here, this lighting's there. And you're starting to see there be a little bit more honesty on Instagram with mm-hmm. that. Like a hairdresser will post like, here's this light and here's this light. Right. Yeah. But I think, um, I think the challenge is, is that people do get on and they see followers. They see, oh, this person has this many followers. Oh, like, they must be amazing. And it's like, oh yeah, they're really amazing at using Instagram. Like that's the first thing they're great at. So if you want to like hire them for that, you go for it because yeah. I could have way more followers if I took more time to like focus on Instagram, but I don't. <laughs> so because I'm working, you know, that's the first thing. Secondly, like, it's just not my focus. Like I'm not, I, I, I luckily and gratefully and say this very humbly wasn't in a place of needing to use Instagram to gain clientele. So I actually am mindful about how much we put on Instagram because I don't want to say no to people every day. I don't have the space to say yes to people as far as having new clients. So I don't want this um, kind of like this, the wrong message to be sent through too many posts on Instagram. And I think that's the other challenges. I was just telling someone the other day about someone asked me like, why do you think, you know, what do you think it is that makes people fail when they open a business? And I said, people don't prepare for success. Um, I think people open up a business and they don't set themselves. They're so worried about failing, what not to do, what, what to do, right. Whatever. But they don't actually prepare for succeeding and they don't prepare enough for the, the, the energy that's going to come their way. Like, People want to be part of your journey. It's there's nothing more exciting than like being part of something starting. It's why like having a baby is a great reference. People are so excited. They're like, oh my God, gifts. I'm going to do this. Like, oh my God, you're having a baby, right? Like they're not really there for when the baby turns three. They're like, oh, your baby's three. Cool. But like when it's new and they can be part of it and they can be part of your journey and like send people to you and help you with their success, especially people that have succeeded. They want to give it back. It's a natural human instinct to like want to pay it forward and want to like, and especially when you have that passion. So I think like, I think it's kind of similar where it's like, you you have to have a mindfulness to what you're doing when you're in that, because you really, it's like, okay, I could say yes to taking a new client because I have an opening, let's say on a a random Thursday, but I can't really say yes to taking a new client just because I have an opening on a random Thursday because they're going to come back in three months and then they're going to come back again and I may not have time then. So it's like being mindful of that and, and setting people up for that. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. Cause I, I feel like you're right. Like you go into business and like my first studio I opened in 2014 and then mm-hmm. my second one in 2018, but it's like, Oh my gosh, I was not prepared for just like you said, the energy coming my way, like all, and people that don't have businesses giving you tips and people being Mm -hmm. like, you need a bigger sign. And I have another idea for you. And I was just like, holy shit, you know, and you're right. Like, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, as far as like, like plan, do you mean like, like strategy, like for like, as you get busier or what are some of the things you feel like were like things you weren't prepared for or that you think people need to be like thinking about, like you said, like not making sure that you have room to continue to see this person or what. Well, I think there's a, I think a part of it is like, Hey, okay. So you have this great idea. I'm going to do this. Right. And there's just like, there's this confidence in it. You're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I, you know, you wake up and you're like, this is it. I'm going to do this thing. Whether you tell no one or you tell a hundred people, you're like, there is that. And it's reminding yourself of that. Like you believed in yourself enough to then tell other people which then believed in you so now you got like people behind you so you have to keep that momentum going and and, but remember that and as opposed to getting in a place of of fear like this isn't gonna oh my god what if whatever you have to you have to like it's not a bad thing to be booked it's not a bad thing to be busy it's not a bad thing to have a wait list I think in our industry that's kind of been a thing where people are like oh it's not good oh you need to raise your prices or you need to 
work more or you need to hire more people. It's like, or not, or you just need to enjoy it. Like what is wrong with just enjoying it and, and letting the universe kind of just like guide it. Like, it's not a big deal that I, I can't take new people right now. It's just not meant to be, you know? And I think like, I could keep raising my prices then my clients are just going to stay like, you know, and yeah. the ones that can't, can't, and I don't want to, and it's not, and I, and I, and I actually don't raise my, I don't follow that, that thought process. I raise my prices when I feel like I should, when mm-hmm. I feel like, um, it's time. Like I actually didn't raise my prices when COVID happened. I thought that that was interesting. I was on a few different, like, um, zoom, like business owner zoom, you know, one like Bumble had a few here and there. And I thought it was really interesting and and no knocks to anyone that did it. I completely understand, uh, especially bigger salons that had to cater to like the, the loss of being able to have so many people in, but I don't, I don't like to take advantage of people in that sense. And I, and it, and it's not a negative slight towards anybody, but I was like, I don't really need to, I, I want to raise my prices when, when I should raise my prices, when I feel like I'm at a place where I'm like, wow, you know what? I haven't raised my prices in a year, or a year and a half, or the color, the cost of color is really high. And I don't even explain, I don't need to explain it. If people have a question, they can ask, but I think if it comes from that place, as opposed to like this thing happened and now I'm reacting in that place because yeah. energetically it's like, there's a little bit of fear in that. Right. Like, right people are like, Oh my God, this huge thing happened. Now we got to raise our prices and make up for it. And it's like, Oh, what is the number that's going to do that for you? There's no, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, I love what you said. Cause I think that for a long time and even like, I feel like as of recently, the whole, like, get your price, you got to raise your prices. It seems like it's everyone's band-aid solution for everything. And it's and not, I, it's not. And I love what you said, because I've been telling people lately, I'm like, you, there's not a, a price increase that's going to make everything better. You need to get used to the tension of people, of, of, of not being, of, of being busier, the tension of, of like not being able to get every new person in and like learn to like, like build that muscle up so that you actually can like sit with it and enjoy it. Like you're saying, because I think we, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm totally guilty in the past of doing that thinking like, Oh, now I'll be able to breathe, but never actually getting that space. And so it's like, just like what you said, like learning to just enjoy it because like I was talking to a friend recently, I'm like, what if this is as good as it gets? Like, this is a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And like not being able to enjoy it because you think you're one price increase away from not having anyone ever ask you to do something or want to come in on your day off. And it's like, that doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. That's why look at famous people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at people that get paid, you know, a lot to do nothing essentially. And I think, I think that's, you know, something if you look at, COVID and the pandemic and money or life or business or the world or politics, wherever you're just like, money is not, it's not real. It's this, it's this thing. Yes, it exists. And you can hold money in your hands and stuff. But at the same time, like, it's just this energy. It's just this like wave that's kind of running around and yeah, we use it for a form of stuff. But at the same time, like I feel guilty sometimes. I mean, I wish I didn't have to, I wish money wasn't a thing that I had to like think about in that sense, because but it's just, it's, it's a way to measure what you're doing for someone. Right. And I think being mindful and conscious of that. And Hey, when a client comes in and you, you don't do a f- full highlight, right? Like you just, you put a few pieces in being mindful of that. Like I always, like one thing I really like to do is make sure when people get checked out, whether I'm checking them out or someone else, you know, my front desk person or someone, my apprentice or something, whatever, whoever's checking them out is that they read back the service that they got. So, Hey, today for your haircut, highlight and gloss, and your brow wax or whatever, it's going to cost this much. And then with your products, your totals, this, like they don't care how much their product was in tax. That's not the point, but so that they, so that it's, they're understanding what they're paying for. And, and I think it's, it's, it's like when you go shopping for a pair of shoes, if you see a pair of shoes on the wall and you love them and you're like, I have to have those, the, you could flip the shoe and the price could be either too much or too little. Right. Like, Mm -hmm either way. And you, you're, you're going to say yes or no based off of like, is it worth it? Is it like, am I going to wear that? You're going to go through this whole thing, but the price often doesn't actually matter if you put the shoe on and it fits great or jeans are a great reference. Cause I feel like 
sometimes you score and get a $20 pair of $20 pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're 400 and you're like, I'm getting these, my asses never look better, you know? <laughs> and I think like, it's kind of like that, like, it's about the feeling and the whole thing. And, and I think sometimes with business owning or doing hair, like money is not something people talk about. It's not something they talk about enough in beauty school. It's not something we talk enough about as coworkers in the, in the hair world. And I, I think it's a conversation as women, not just business owners, but women, um, you know, there's a lot of money that's being made in the hair world. And I think money is, is the, for everyone that has an Instagram showing what they do for hair, not, no one's talking about money, like not the way they should. And the other thing that's happening on Instagram is people are like bragging about how much they're charging for like hair that you're like, she did that to that. That person paid $1,300 for that. That's horrible. You know, like, so the, it's kind of like the other end of it where you're like, people really shouldn't be bragging about making so much money for something that's not that hard you know it should really be about like hey there's a potential to be really successful in this career and if you're really mindful with your money and I hate that in beauty school that that's not a focus I don't think they talked about money one time when I no and it's crazy because yeah it's horrible because you make tips so there's this huge part and I tell people I'm like okay so this is something that I think people don't think about like and this is why tipping um if you work somewhere that does that is is really important is that or or for for the for the service worker right for like the hairdresser is that we give a commission you know if you work at a salon and you're giving commission you're getting commission you're giving a percentage of it to the shop and this is what happened with the pandemic and i think people because i've said this to a lot of clients like hey you got to realize like if you're a salon and you have five ten fifteen stylists and the rules were that there had to be six feet apart there's nowhere for anyone else to sit. So now you're a hairdresser. You're used to making, let's on the good end, you're making 50% commission. And now you can't take anyone in between your clients. So, so, so you come to see me, I work at Solana X, right? You come to see me and usually I would put, put your color on and then the next person would come in. I'd put their color on and then I'd jump back to you. So now I'm like making money, boom, 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 this whole time. But now I can't, now I can only see you. And I'm still giving 50% of the money to the salon. And now in between, so really in a day, I'm losing almost half of my money and still giving half of it away. And then the tip is off of that hundred percent. So if you come in and give me a hundred bucks and you tip me 20 and I'm only making 50 off of the service, $20 off of a $50 service is a lot of money. I mean, that's almost 40% of your income is coming from tips. And I think people don't you're not taught that when you go to school, you're not taught like how important being mindful of how much money you're bringing in and being and tracking that and like, and, and paying attention to that, not just putting in your purse. And when you go out, just spend your money and not, not, not think about how much money you're making. And I think that's a big reason going back to like, you know, when you're going to open a business or even if you're just going to work somewhere as a hairdresser, like you have to be really mindful of all your money because there's a huge there's a huge uh, like disadvantage to the tip world in that sense, like in, in cash. And now I don't know if you saw the post about like Venmo. Oh, I don't yeah, know. I've always, I've always been a little like with Venmo, like, cause people were, when are they going to come at us? Yeah. <laughs> when are they yeah. going to get us? Well, they just posted, my friend just posted. So it's Ben Venmo business. And I don't know if it's the personal one yet, but I, I just saw a post about like the business one is that, they're like, they are starting to track what people write. So they're like, please encourage people to like, not say what, if it was a service, like, Oh, tip for this. Cause they're starting to track it. And I've always been like, they're gonna, this is a great way for them to track the cash world. It's a great yes. way for them to track all these people that are in the industry world and to like, and it's so messed up, but I was like, I'm wait, I've been waiting. I'm like, this is going to backfire on everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, I like, I have an account, but I, I don't, my gratuities bundled in. And the reason I did correct. that is because when I was on using square for all these years and I would do the numbers and I'd look at the, the tips, I'm like, okay, 20% of what I'm making is coming from tips. So I'm just going to bundle that in because I stopped taking cash just so mm-hmm. it's all in one place. Because to your point, I didn't like that. I had to like, kind of like, track down all my money. I liked yeah. how having it 
um, just in one spot so I could see it. And I think it's really, like you said, like no education on any of that. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you just figure it out as you go, which it shouldn't be that way. Well, it shouldn't. And it shouldn't be that way for people that are going to school and, and going to start a career. Like the thing about beauty school or trade school is it's this condensed short amount of time. And then you're like, boom, you're going to go make money. And it's, and it could be, sure, you could get out of beauty school and go work somewhere and not make a lot, or you could, or you could go make a, a decent amount in one year and you're in your first year by the second year, it could double because you have no clients. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of clients. And so I think like the, honestly, like the financial aspect of, of life, really, I think Mm -hmm. if there's any books to read or anything to pay attention to, and it's simple, it's not that intense. I am not like a stock market girl. I have a lot to learn about a lot of stuff in that world, but like just, you know, I'm so grateful for my mom who taught me how to like do a checkbook and all that stuff, but just being mindful of where your money's at. Like, I think it's not about not spending. It's just about knowing where it is. Like look at your bank account statements, like make sure you're knowing where stuff is like make life easy for yourself, have things be automated, just be used to having money in your bank. Like have, don't put all your money in a checking account. You're making no money in a checking account. Like put a bunch of it in a savings account, even if it's a 0.5% trash pandemic interest rate, like, you know, like it just little tiny stuff like that. But I do think being mindful of how much money you're making in tips is the biggest, my biggest, biggest tip (laughs) for everyone is to like, as a hairdresser, as an assistant, as an, at any level in it, as, as a, anybody in the service industry that's making cash, like count your tips. It's so important. It's your money. That's if anything, that's the, really what you're making. That's really what you're living off of. And I never did. Like I, when I was an assistant, like I, I mean, I'm 19 years old. I was not like, Oh man, you got those little envelopes. You got those little envelopes. You open them up, you stuffed in your purse, you went out, you got wasted or bought whatever. How did you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we all did it. Yeah. And it was cash. It was just like, Oh my God, this is so, look how much money I have, you know? Yeah. And I think like, I was never like, like a big spender. It was like, Oh, I'd go into urban outfitters after a day of assisting and be like, I love those plaid shorts. I might get them someday. I'm going to go now. Like, you know what I mean? You had to be smart with it. You were, I think a lot of hairstylists are very like thrifty and resourceful, but I do think, I agree. I think we undercut ourselves by not getting a little bit of education and thinking that it's so complicated and like someone has the magic secrets and we don't, it's like, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just don't think people do that math either on how much money they're, how big of a percentage their tips. It's not, it's not a 10 to 20% tip percentage. It's actually a 40 to 50% of your income, you know? Yeah. Because well, we used, the way you just explained that with like the 50% going away and then you're going, mm-hmm. whoa, like I've never heard it explained like that, but I would think if you're in a commission salon, that would be, that would be like a big aha for me. Right. And a lot of salons are commission. I mean, no one's getting out of beauty school and going to work at a salon that's educating you and not having commission. And no one's getting paid 50% commission. I'll tell you that. Right. Not off the bat. Nobody. And I think, I think, you know, it's, I think that there's so much to be said in that. And, and, and it is really nice to have a paycheck and to see your money grow that way. But if you're not paying attention to like how you're getting money in other places, it's just, you're not doing the math. And I, and at the end of the day, like that's going to lead you to be really successful in whatever else you're doing. It's just, right. it, it just really, it, 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 it's how it makes it easy to open, not easy, but like to budget when you're going to open a shop, you know, like I came from salon blue and I made X in a year. Right. But I was worth this. So when I went to open the shop, I was like, Oh, I used to give half of my money away to someone. So actually I'm not, that's not what I'm worth. I'm worth over here. And the 40 grand I sold in products every year is another aspect of what I'm worth, you know, but what does that mean? If I'm going to sell 40 grand in a year, that means I need to shelf 90 grand or a hundred grand. So what is that going to cost? What is that going to be every month for me to maintain? Like, I think there's just, and those are the things that kind of going back to like what makes or breaks in the, and and it is, is, it is math. It is a mathematical equation of whether or not you're going to succeed. Not emotional. It's, it's the numbers don't lie. No, no. No, if you can find a deep breath in them every day, you can have a business, but it's, it is numbers. And it's, I was the the person I was talking to the other day, I was telling them, like, 
I think the biggest thing people do, like I said, is they don't prepare for success and then they don't have the money to pay for that. Like, which the biggest reason is taxes, right? But you get in, you get going and then then all of a sudden your tax man's like, hey, your first quarter taxes due or however you choose to do it. Like, and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) And they're like, well, yeah, you made this much money. So you owe this much. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I give you that, I'm going to have no money in the bank. You know, and then if that's the case, like it's not necessarily that you're going to sink right away because the next day you're going to go to work and you're going to do 10 clients. You're going to make money, boom, like that. And you'll be okay. And you can take your tips home and eat off those for a little while, but you're not going to have money to place your order for the products that actually make you money. You're not going to have money to hire somebody else that makes you move better. You're not going to be able to buy whatever else you need to buy. And I think that's the part that slows people down because they can't maintain the level of service and or grow at the rate that people need them to grow. And, and then they can't say yes to the things because the biggest reason people get into being their own boss is because they want to do what they want to do, you yeah, know? And I, I, I feel like I did that and I didn't end up doing the things I wanted to do. I just ended yeah. up working all the time. and You ended up um, swimming, just, yeah. just treading water. Exactly. And I was like, I had a high enough volume of uh, business that I was able to like have all those experiences you described and, and be okay. Right. So I feel like there's something to be said for like, nothing trumps experience. No. You know, like. Well, yeah. And nothing trumps being busy. I mean, thank God. Yes. Exactly. I was the same way, but you know, I, I think the other thing people think is, all right, I'm going to open up a business. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to get a small business loan. My credit's fine. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. First of all, they don't give small business loans. That's not how it works. It's not 1980. They don't do it anymore. <laughs> don't believe anybody. I got whipped in the face of that one. It's not a thing. So I literally opened my shop on my personal credit card <laughs> and thank God I had used that a lot and paid it off. I literally in August of 2015, I remember calling my friend. I had just gotten completely out of debt paid off my, paid a huge chunk off my credit card. You know, it was like, it was so excited. And my friend called me, was like, Hey, you want to get season tickets to the bulls with me? And I was like, Oh man, (sighs) you know, like, Oh, am I really going to go into, you know what I mean? Or maybe it was, it was the second year of it or something. I think we had had them, had them a year together. Yeah. That's what it was something like that. And I was like, Oh man, I don't know if I open the shop, like, you know, but I had this credit card that I had spent enough money, you know, credit works, you pay, you pay yeah. it off and keep giving you bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have a $20,000 limit. Like, I guess I can just open a business on that. And I went to the bank and the bank was like, it's the same bank I've had since I've lived here. They see all my money come in. They have a record, all these pay paycheck or, you know, paychecks from salon blue. They don't care. They don't, doesn't matter. So I was like, what do you mean? You guys, you can see what I've been making. Like you can see it, you know? And they're like, mm, no, it doesn't work that way. And so they're like, do you have a credit card you can put it on or a friend you can borrow 10 grand from? And I was like, I don't, what? You know? And they literally told me like, if you can put it on a credit card, like you can come back to us and get a small business loan or get like, um, I forget what it's called, but like once you get your business started, they'll get a line of credit, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's not helpful. And so I opened a business account. I had my personal credit card. They gave me a credit card, which I thought they were going to give me like a huge credit limit. It was like six grand. I was like, that's not helpful. You know, (laughs) thank you (laughs) for knocking down my credit. Because every time you open a credit card, my amazing credit, like just, you know, Yeah. so I opened the shop and I just remember being like, I have to pay this credit card off because my interest on it was so stupid, but it was my only option, you know? And yeah, thank God every day I went in, I work, but I work seven days a week, nonstop. And I was like, I can do this for a year. I can do this for a year. And three years later, and then COVID hits five years in. And now you're back to doing the same thing that you're like, I just got freed from this life, you know? Yeah. So what makes it worth it for you? Um, It's funny. I was just with a friend yesterday who's had a business for, she's a florist, but she's had a business for I think 20 years now. And I said, how many times a week do you ask yourself, why do I do this? She goes every day. I think, uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's a relationship. It's the, it's like the, 
it's like a relationship, you know, and like the challenge of it. And yeah, I'm in love with it. I love people. I do. I love, I love learning. I'm never bored. I mean, I don't know. What that, I, don't, I don't know what that word means. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, and, and I, I'm a workaholic for sure. I'm guilty as charged. And, um, but I love what I do and I love, I love making people feel great and I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly teaching myself and I'm constantly learning from other things. And I know that I, I know that yes, sure. In some people's eyes, I'm successful, but to myself, I'm never, I'm not a competitive person by nature. Like with others, I was a horrible, I I was, you know, I played basketball. I'm like, okay, we lost whatever. Let's go eat. You know, like, uh, I'm like, but we looked cute, you know? (laughs) And, uh, but, uh, I'm competitive with myself. And I think something is all the things that, that I haven't done yet in the hair world, in my own life is why I keep doing it. Because I know that like the only way that I can achieve those goals is kind of by being my own boss. And as hard as it is and as exhausting as it is, uh, who else is going to do that? Who else is going to put, I mean, I, I, when I left Salon Blue, I would tell people, Oh, what happened? Whatever. And I was like, I just, I think I, they couldn't house my creativity anymore. And it was no slight against them. I just was at a place where I was like, I have to be my own. I need to build my own house for, for all these ideas and all this stuff I have going on because I have to push myself. And I think, you know, I'm 35 and I'm pregnant and I don't have a cover on Vogue yet. Like I, you know, I haven't done hair for, I have all these things in my head that I want, but I think the other thing that I've learned is when you look at these famous hairdressers out there, they really haven't, they didn't start doing certain things until they were our age or older, you know? And there's one of my favorite books I've ever read, uh, uh, ever read. It was, uh, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. And there's like a statistic in there. I I believe it's this book. Maybe I'm misquoting it, but, um, he says something in this book was written a long time ago, but it says something like one in 200 people reach like full potential success wise. And most people don't succeed until between 40 and 60 years old. Like don't hit their prime. And if you really look around, you think that you think, you know, there's the 10,000 hour or 10,000 hour rule for 10 years. Right. And it really does take that long. Um, I, I think, and I think it's being patient with it and learning and being really humble. And, and to this day, there's things I don't know how to do. I mean, and then, then there's things I've done that if I go to try to do them now, I'm like, oh, I didn't do that right. Did I? <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Yeah. So like in this next chapter, like becoming a mom, like what, is, what are you like hoping to accomplish? Like, how do you, what are you hoping to like, how to balance it? Like, what's your goal with, with this new chapter you're starting? Well, I'm really, really, really grateful that I'm at a point in my career, even coming out of a pandemic where, um, I have been smart enough to be in a place at this, this, this pregnancy was not planned. It was definitely a surprise, a beautiful one, but uh, a surprise. And I'm very, very grateful and proud of myself. And I guess lucky maybe, but I don't know if I fully believe in that word sometimes, Yeah, yeah. but that I'm at a place where I can take three months off. I can't wait. I've been doing hair for, like I said, you know, we graduated in 2016 from beauty school and it's been nonstop and I'm, I can't wait to have three months off to take a break, you know, like recharge, be inspired. Obviously this baby is part of that. And there's what other blessing or what, what more inspiration than, you know, having a child, but it's not just that it's just to, it's, it's to create that, um, dynamic, and create that boundary, not with my clients necessarily, but with myself to, to, to really be in a place with myself as a hairdresser to accept, like, I don't necessarily want to work the way that I've been working anymore. And to remind myself, like, Hey, I got into this so that I mean, I started doing hair. I moved here when I just turned 20, you know, and I've been nonstop and like, I don't want to do hair until I'm 90. I don't want to do hair until, I mean, maybe I do, but not, not, not to pay the bills. Like I want to be financially, you know, free and kind of retired by 45. And people think that's nuts. And I'm like, no, like this job is so physically hard on you. Like I'm excited to just not ruin my shoulder every day for three, you know? Well, I love what you said. Like 
the boundary with yourself because like mm-hmm. I I'll tell people too I'm like it shouldn't take having a kid to like get to that place but for me it kind of did because it's like okay if I stay late for someone it's not their fault. I stayed late. And then I pick my kid up at daycare who's playing by themselves at six o'clock with not running down their nose. And it's like, okay, now I have, now I have a very tangible, you know, like, it's like, oh, I said no to myself. I didn't just say no to myself. I said no to this person. Yeah. And that's not my client. It's not on my client. No. And so I think it's really a cool, like what you said, because I think so many people, are quick to blame their clients, quick to blame external factors instead of being like, wait, 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 I actually hold the key to all of this. Well, and I think something else with that, Lindsay, too, that's really important is, is to teach your clients and teach yourself, but have that verbiage very quick. So when someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I'm so sorry, is there any way you can squeeze me in? Or I have this thing, you take it upon yourself to say, Hey, you know what? No problem. I would love to squeeze you in. I'm, I can come in on my day off for that. Like you need to tell people what you're doing for them. Yes. It's the same thing with like telling them why you're charging them, what you're charging. Like people, people need to know what they're getting from you. And it's not about like making them feel bad about it. It's so that there's a value to that. Like, Hey, yeah, I would love to see you. You know what? I have my day. I have, I, I would love to come. Oh, you don't, oh, I don't want you to come in any draft. You're like, actually, no, I don't mind to do it. I just want you to know. Yeah. Like I'm going to come in because then we don't have to rush or I can do this. Like, here's the time I'm flexible. Like, you know, but I do think it's like, don't say like, oh, how about Thursday? And they don't know that Thursday's your day off until they're sitting in your chair. And now it's no, like, let them know that, let them know what you're doing for them. I think that's, it creates an even better. I mean, if it was your girlfriend, you would say like, Hey girl, I have a day off. You wouldn't say like, Hey girl, Tuesday, like, it, it, so I think like there's, there's something in that. And it's the same thing with, with taking this time off for the baby. Like people are like, Oh, how long is your leave? Like, you'll be back in a couple, like, you know, eight. And I'm like, no, I'm taking three months off. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And you know what? I've been working hard to get, you know, my apprentice ready. I've been doing this. Like y'all are going to be good. And yeah, I'm really nervous. There is a part of me that's like nervous to not be in my shop. Cause it's, you know, my shop and I'm like this control freak in a sense, but I also am doing those, saying those things is like affirming myself to not be nervous because every time a client comes in and I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. All the girls are going to take care of you. It's going to be great book with them. Now she's going to get busy. Like I'm setting, I'm, I am manifesting this thing. And I think that's something that's really important to like be really mindful of like the words that you use and, and the energy that you're putting out there. Cause at the end of the day, it's just hair. Yeah. Well, you're right. And people, I think when you share those like vulnerabilities or like when I went on maternity leave pre COVID, I would have, and it was a surprise like you, mm-hmm. I would have never felt like it was allowed for me to be like, I don't know how long I'm going to take. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to feel. And like to give myself that permission and then to have my clients, I'll be like, yeah, you aren't going to know how you feel. And like, yeah. that's the coolest thing. And like, just like, I feel like your clients buy in more to you when you're real and you're saying like, I'm really nervous about it, but I'm also really excited. It's like, well, who doesn't think that's cool? Like, that's yeah. And, and I up. have, to, I just think it is something that we get to do as hair. We get to be raw. We get to be vulnerable. It is a blessing. I love what I do because I can be myself. I can, I can, and especially as the owner, like if you don't like me and I'm not saying this to be rude at all, like, but it's like, go somewhere else. Like, this is who you're getting. Like, but I think people really appreciate that people really appreciate and people really, and, and let's just talk about hair for a second. Someone comes in and they're like, Oh, I looked at this photo. You're like, okay, cool. I'm going to be really truthful. Like your hair doesn't look like that. <laughs> like really you're about to have a kid in three months. You want bangs in the middle of summer. That's a horrible idea you know, or like, you're going to be looking down all the time, like just bringing that to light to them and not being and not sugarcoating it, or like being weird about it or being wishy washy, just just state it and move on and let's go and and then tell them your opinion. When I'm training people, I'm always like, hey, I want you to really practice when you're having these models or you're practicing on people to have the confidence to put your two cents in. Because the one thing that's it, it's great that we have the internet and there's Pinterest and there's Instagram and there's YouTube and everyone thinks they know how to cut hair now. But the downside of it is that clients have 
felt this pressure, I feel like, of coming in and, and having what they want instead of leaning on us to say, hey, what do you think I should do? And it's kind of sucks as the hair, you know, because it's great in one sense because you get to see people's like um, a different side of people when mm-hmm. they bring in like their inspiration. You're like, oh, I would have never, you know, maybe, oh, I've never thought you would want to do that. Or, oh, you think that's cute? Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. 80s, you know, bangs. All right. Interesting. You know, yeah. but the other side of it is that they feel like they need to show you what they want. Like they did the research for you. And you're kind of like, let me tell you what I see. Like you have pink complexion. So I get that gray hair is a trend, but you're, you know, you have tawny skin and you have a tan and like gray hair next to that is not going to be your most flattering color. And I understand that everybody wants cool hair, like, you know, like ashy tones or like this trendy thing. Right. But you have warm skin and honestly, gold is going to look better against your skin. Like being really honest and, and remembering that you're the person that spent all this time learning how to do what you do. Totally. And all they did is went on Instagram, you know? Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like it's a, it's a, just like a, it's showing your confidence. And I used to be like someone who like, if someone brought a picture in, in the early days, it was like, let's do it. And I'd like yeah. walk away. And like, I mean, like now it's like, okay, what do you like about the picture? And then right. like, oh, I'm not worried about looking stupid or like insecure. It's like, no, no, no I, I got a couple more questions for you. And like, and being really like, really clarifying it's like to me it's like a power move versus like it, sometimes people would say like oh I don't want the per- I want the person to think I got it but it's like I'm not gonna know if I have what you like in the picture unless I ask you these 16 questions right and then we can be off to the races right are you yeah. gonna are you gonna use a curling iron every day like it, <laughs> you know totally <laughs> like I love this wave do you think you can have my hair do that I'm like do you own a curling iron no I, I'm air dry Right or I don't, put any, I don't want to put any product in my hair. I don't want to do any of that. I just, I really love how this hair looks. You're like, awesome. Well, I just want you to know this is what happened. She blew her hair out, pinned straight first, then went in with an iron and, and did it like this. And they're like, oh, I don't think that's a good look for me. And you're like, okay, cool. Let's figure out something else. Totally. People are way more yeah. reasonable than we, than we give people credit for most yeah. times. They just need you to be kind enough and slow it down and break it down. I honestly think the thing is, is people come in with a photo because they want you to know that they're ready for a change. That's it. Mm. I really do. I think that people, I think people don't know how to say that and are scared of like not being prepared, right? Like not having an idea but I think people really want to change. They want a different product. They want you to show them how to part their hair, just something different. Yeah. Especially after everything going on right now. Right. Like people just want to feel fresh. They want to be touched. They want to feel beautiful. They want, you know, getting totally. shampooed has never felt so good than after COVID. No, totally. <laughs> like, and I, and, and they want to feel pampered. They want to feel, they want a reason to like care about themselves in a different way. And I think whether that's putting a little bit of highlight in their hair, whether that's glossy in their hair, whether that's like giving them a little fringe or taking two inches and people, like, Oh, maybe just a trim. I'm like, Hey, how, have you ever thought about cutting it actually here? It's more flattering, you know, like, yeah. you know what, let's cut it two inches shorter than you're thinking. It's not that much hair. It's going to hit your collarbone instead of like the weird flat part of like right before your boob. It's really going to show off your neckline. And you know what? It's going to grow so fast that when it grows two inches, it's still going to look pretty as opposed to looking like whatever hair, you know, like explaining that to people. Like, I think, I think it's just the art of consultation and the art of actually like engaging in your client is, has been a little lost because, and I would rather book 15 minutes extra on every single client and have that time and see less people in a day, in a month, in a year and still make money. Right. Then, and have loyalty and have relationships and have clients that are going to listen. Cause you know, what sucks just saying yes to someone. And then they never come back to you or they come back in six weeks, six months and their hair looks like trash. Or you run into them at the store and you're like, Oh man, I just did this beautiful blonde in her hair and she's not taking care of it. And she decided to dye half of it purple herself. And you know, it's like, I don't want that clientele either. I don't want, I don't want clients that want to spend money on their hair, but don't want to have the product to go with it. Right. Cause they're Almost not like, going to go home. 
They're not going to go home and get the look they want. Totally. And it's like, I killed myself doing that. They never came back. I didn't get my regulars in. It's like, it's, it's not cute. So if people want to follow you, if people want to like, you know, like, I feel like I've loved watching. I know you're not on Instagram a ton because you're working on your business and in your business, but if you want to follow along as you have your baby and stuff, yeah. is Instagram the best place to follow you or where can people keep up with yes, you? Yes. I unfortunately don't tweet. I always think, man, Twitter would be so fun if they could just hear what I'm saying in the middle of the day. Right. Like some of the conversations oh, you have with you, <laughs> like, and like some of the things I talk about at work, I'm like, we really should record this, but, yeah. um, my Instagram is yo good hair, Y-O-G-O-O-D-H-A-I-R. And the shop is called yo you, but our Instagram is hair being art, H-A-I-R-B-E-I-N-G-A-A-A-R-T. Um, and same with the website, hairbeingart.com. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open. So text me or DM me, I should say, uh, hit me up and uh let's keep in, let's keep this rolling. I, I love to talk about whatever. So thank yeah, you so no, much for having me on. Thanks for being on, especially like when you're about to have a baby, I know it's like yeah. crunch time. So congratulations. Thank, and thank you. you so much.